Hi, friends. Hello, should I delete that, listeners? We still have some tickets left for our live tour and we would absolutely love to see you there. On Thursday, the 23rd of May, we will be performing in the London Islington Assembly Hall. On Monday, the 27th of May, we will be in Salford. On Tuesday, the 28th of May, we'll be in Glasgow. Sunday, the 2nd of June, Birmingham. Monday, the 3rd of June, Bristol. And Tuesday, the 4th of June in Southampton. You can get your tickets at aegpresents.co.uk or via the link in the show notes or our Instagram bios. Really hope we see you there. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you've been following us on Instagram, you will know already that we are massive fans of Wooker. They are the most sustainable and comfortable period pants. You don't have to use pads or tampons. Basically, you go commando and free flow. They have super comfy styles from thongs to briefs and high-waisted. They also do period-proof leggings, running shorts and swimsuits. You name it, they have got it. Last month, they launched the world's first multi-size period pants. One pair of Wooker Flex fits four sizes, either extra small to large or XL to 4XL, and they have detachable hooks too. The hooks are also great for easy changing, whether you're in small public toilets, between meetings, at festivals or travelling. They can be easily removed and changed whether lying down standing or sitting so perfect if you have limited mobility we have tried them and we are obsessed if you haven't tried period pants yet we have 20% off site-wide for a week with the code SIDT20 that's SIDT20 go buy one you won't look back Oh my God, why did I post that? Ah, I don't know what to do. Should I delete that? Yeah, you should definitely delete that. (laughs) (laughs) Hello guys, welcome back to the Should I Delete That podcast. This is our second attempt at an introduction because in the first one, I told everyone that I was sweating and I (laughs) regretted it. So I was like, let's not do that. And now I've just done it again. So hiya. (laughs) It was also an incredibly awkward intro. So yeah, this is our redo. Hi everyone. (laughs) Welcome back. (laughs) Thanks for coming back. Um, How you doing now? I'm good. I'm good. It's... Too sunny, which I know you're going to hate me saying, but it's way too hot and way too sunny still. But I'm powering through. I'm powering through. Oh God, how hard for you. It must be so difficult for you to just fight your way through all that vitamin D and joy. (laughs) Just make it back into the pits of fucking hell when when winter comes back. It's the first day of summer today. Or yesterday was. Is it? A fish? Yes. Yes, I hope you buckle up. Get ready. Yeah, it's summer solstice, isn't it, yesterday? I do have yeah. to say though, right, and I maintain this, like I would I, I would prefer people stop telling me <laughs> to be appreciative of the weather and to stop no. moaning about the weather because Britain is not meant to be this hot and London is not set up to be this hot and there's no aircon anywhere and we're just, we're not made for this kind of weather and it's uncomfortable and sticky and I don't get why we're supposed to be uber positive about it. It's horrible. I'm not doing this with you again. It's the best fucking time of the year and I'm not going to have you ruin it. Now tell me, you're good or you're bad or you're awkward. I can't do this with you again. Do I you not, can you not concede that it is uncomfortable to be hot and sticky? I'd rather be... Oh, 
no, okay, no, I can't do this again. Yes, yes, okay, it's a small price to pay sometimes having like like a sweat at night time, like a night sweat. I, I grant you that's not the best, but I'd rather that to an astronomical heating bill and dry skin and fucking chill blains whenever I get in the shower after having been outside and having to wrap up in a million layers and having dry hair and dry skin. Like, honestly, it's the price I'll pay. I'll take a bit of sweat. Also, sweat's great. Sweat's like endorphins just as a li little liquid. So okay, I, it's I wish fine. I hadn't asked. I wish I hadn't asked. Exactly. <laughs> good, so bad, and awkward. <laughs> the good, the bad, and the awkward. Okay, hit me. Hit me with something good or bad or awkward, please. We are, we are so different. Um, my good. My good. Now, look, I don't want to get ahead of myself. However, I have strong suspicions that I might be a subconscious genius. And the word subconscious will become clear, right? So, I, Dave and I both have AirPods, right? Which are bloody expensive and I think just shit to use. Like the concept of them is great, but for the price they are, they are so difficult to use. Anyway, we've both got AirPods, but they're in these just plain nondescript white cases and we don't know, who, know whose is whose, right? And then I pick up some and they're Dave's and then they're not attached to me. And then I have to attach myself and blah, 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 or connect, connect, whatever the lingo is. Da, da, da. Anyway, this was just a problem that I didn't have a solution to. It was just a problem that was pissing me off. And that was it. I didn't think about it any further. And then I had a dream, right? I had a dream that I bought a leopard print AirPods case. And then that was the differentiation. <laughs> Why is that word sounding so weird? A subconscious genius, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> And that was the, that was how we distinguished between Dave's case and my case. I woke up and I was like, what the fuck? That's such a good idea. So I bought, how cute is this? A little leopard print headphones case. And since we've not had that problem. And that was all in my dream. So I, I've obviously got some genius inside of me. It's just very buried in my subconscious. Either but that or the metaverse is like worse than what we thought. And it's like infiltrating us while we sleep and you were advertised. Oh, shit. That oh, leopard shit. print apple airpods case in your sleep and then you oh, woke shit. up and bought it like the little puppet that you are <laughs> oh my god i didn't even think about that oh my god they've literally infiltrated my dreams no okay well no, like, you you're just... a subconscious genius <laughs> yeah i was gonna Fine. say don't, don't piss on my parade i was excited about that but aren't dreams crazy and cool and so weird like because that was obviously in me somewhere but it was not in my conscious but it was obviously in my subconscious. And it's so clever. I woke up like, wow, that's so clever. Anyway, I feel like you're, you're not as bowled over about this as I was. But anyway. It's a good story, Al. I'm very happy for you. Thank, thank you. What's your good? So I had a meeting yesterday, Al. This, yeah. this, is, this is actually, this is the best good that we've ever had. And I've been so excited to tell you. I had a meeting yesterday. Oh, my God. With a merchandise company. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. <laughs> No, you didn't. You make French magnets. No, no, you did not. No, you did not. Yes, I did. I had it yesterday at 4.15. And the guy's really nice. And he thinks there's some great potential here. Oh, my God. I feel... I feel duped and horrified in equal measure. And I don't know where to go with this. So, for context... I was having the meeting anyway about merchandise for the hags because we have t-shirts and we're going to expand that, which is very exciting. Okay. But then I, it occurred to me, I was looking at his website and I was like, oh my God, 
so I, 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 I finished the hacks meeting and I was like, do you have a couple of extra minutes? And he was like, yes. And I was like, so I also host this podcast. And I told him and I was like, look, the demand is high. People are going to go crazy for this stuff. Honestly, crazy. And anyway, he was, he was totally on board. He thought they were a great idea. He took the words from my mouth. He said, you know what everybody's got? I said, what? He said, a fridge. I was like, I like you. I knew I liked you. Oh he gets it from a business standpoint. He thinks we could be millionaires, Al. He really does. <laughs> okay, no, he doesn't. But I've had the meeting. I've made the contact. I've got his email address. I've got another meeting. I'm having a coffee with him in a couple of weeks. I think you should come. Uh, oh, my God. Or you don't have to come and you just leave me to it. I'll have the meeting. I'll do all the legwork on this and I'll and I'll get where we get and then I'll see what, see what you think, okay? <laughs> I don't think you're going to regret this. I feel like I'm on track instead and I'm pitching it to Deborah Meaden. <laughs> this is like very weirdly leading right into my bad, which is that about half of my DMs now are about fridge magnets. Fucking hey! I told you the demand was high. If people want them, don't they? People want the fridge magnets, don't they? Just I think me. they're they more do, they? sort of, they do, don't they? sort of goading me a little bit. But I got locked out of the house right for like very early in the morning for about half an hour because Dave's because well because I'm an idiot and I put on my stories I told the story then afterwards that afterwards I put uh, how can I live laugh love in these conditions right and I must have had about fucking 500 dms being like fridge magnet fridge magnet and I was like the, the, this Unfortunately, is not is not is not going anywhere. Despite my best wishes, yes, it is. This is no, no, no. Yes, what I mean is. is, the fridge magnet idea is not going anywhere. It is going oh. to follow me around now like a bad smell for a long time. I can feel it. It's going to be your legacy, Al. It's not going to be a bad smell. It's going to be. It's going to be the thing that that that, that sets your kids up for a great life. It's going to be the thing that your kids inherit one day, and they're going to be so proud. They're going to be so proud. You might as well have invented the fridge magnet. That's how good these are going to be. And actually, I'm going to send you this guy's website. He's really good. And, and he'll help us design them and everything so they don't even have to be that shit. It's actually <laughs> going to be really good. I'm really excited. I'm really excited. And we could, like, you know what, Al? Everybody makes merch for their podcast. And right, well, do people want like a tote bag? No. People have got 50,000 tote bags. Well, do they want a t-shirt? No, no. No. What do they want? They want something new. They want something original. They want something they can see every day that sticks on their fridge. Do you know what? <laughs> I, I give up. I give in. <laughs> do you know what? This, this point. <laughs> I, I won't make you come to the meetings. I'll do it. I'm doing this. <laughs> this is the bandwagon. If you would like to jump on it, at any point, it's stopping. You can just leap. If you don't, that's fine. You, we will kidnap you eventually, okay? So it's basically, do you want to come willingly or do you want to be sort of like bound and tied and grabbed and put in the boot? Because it's up to you. And you don't have to decide now. If in like, you know, when, when they go to development and the orders are coming in and you still aren't on board, then we'll do the bounding and the tying and the boot. So you've got some time. Do you know what? Do you know what? If this, ha if this happens and people actually buy them, I will eat my words. I'll tell you how you can eat those words. I'll put your words on a fridge magnet and you can eat those. <laughs> now that would be nice, edible fridge magnets. So they're gone quickly. Um, no, I think you die. People have to go to hospital. I remember somebody I remember somebody that I knew ate two magnets and then they had to go to hospital because the magnets go to find each other oh, and it's actually really bad. Oh, that's really bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's not good. Okay. Also like don't eat like, like also don't eat like a magnet and a coin or like a magnet and a safety pin. 
Like, don't eat a magnet and then something else magnetic because you'll have the same problem. Oh, okay. Um, thank you for that. I'll. I, I'm. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna store that in my uh, memory of really important things to know. In your genius subconscious. <laughs> yeah. Don't <laughs> eat a magnet and a safety pin. Cool. Thanks, Anne. Oh my god. We need that. We need that as a quote. Jesus. <laughs> okay. So your your good is my bad. Excellent. We're doing really well. <laughs> I hate summer. You love summer. You you love inspirational quotes. I hate them. <laughs> I just love fridge magnets. Like, I don't think I don't think the internet's even seen my fridge. I know I exaggerated that time when I said there were forty thousand magnets on it because Daisy came over and she was like, "There are <laughs> definitely there are." Like I'm good. <laughs> I think I might. I'm not very good at like big numbers. Like I'm not very good at like anywhere from like four hundred to four million. I'm like ooh. I don't know. Um, but I'm going to say there's in the region of 500 to 1,000 fridge magnets on my fridge. I think that's more realistic. And if I get really okay. bored later, I'll count them, but I probably won't. <gasps> yeah, I'd say there's about that many. Yeah, because I've got... Basically, I bought these things on Amazon. Not that I'm directing you in the area... In, in the direction of other fridge magnets, because, of course, we are going to have the monopoly on the market. So I don't want to be, like, sending you to our competitors, but for now... Our competitors? The fridge magnets... <laughs> <laughs> they are this is it's a copyright business this fridge magnet stuff we can't just be giving free advertising to the ones that already exist um so, so i've got these ones i got them on amazon and they're basically like individual words like that like they've got every single word that you can think of except basically for context i went for, i went to a shop i went to i went to an art gallery with alex because he's really into culture and i'm not but sometimes in marriage you have to make compromises so we went to an art gallery and i went to the gift shop because <laughs> that was you know me um and i bought this i could see these fridge magnets and i'm like wow they're amazing and it's just loads it was like sheets of different words and you break them apart and then you've just got like the and but like every word like just any word like microphone or like water or bottle or bum or like they have bad words they've got good words they've just got any old word right so i bought this pack but i didn't realize that i bought like the bumblebee edition so i stuck them onto the fridge and i was like this is weird because it had words like pollinate and honey and like swarm <laughs> and like queen i was like this is very strange um and then really specific honey words i was like hmm, okay anyway so then i went on amazon and i bought like a but ton more. So I got like normal words, I got rude words, I got all all the words basically. And now whenever people come to my house, they make a sentence on my fridge with the words that are available. And it's very easy to tell who's written what yeah. by That's quite like, cool. I like the friend that. that it is. It is That is quite you, fun. <laughs> you put it is important to communicate. Did I? Did I? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And Sarah put, I eat wasps and pussy. So, <laughs> oh my god, that's um, so sad. So, I was supposed to write something like funny and like, you know, like cards of humanity style. And I was like, oh, it's important to communicate. We can put that on one of our minds no, if you want. I think, I think, I think there should be two, like two sections, right? For the fridge magnets. One should be inspiration and one should be unspiration, right? Yes, Al. Yes. I love that you're bringing ideas to the table. I, hey, g g hit me. Come on, sell it to oh us. God. Sell it to oh us. Oh, God, no. Tell I'm, us about I'm the unspiration. Yeah, fueling on. this fire. I shouldn't, I shouldn't, have, shouldn't have interrupted. It's, Carry on. So yours will be, you know, don't, don't, um, you know, I don't know. What's, the, what's that stupid one that you always say? <laughs> don't cry because it's over. Um, Smile because it happened. Like be happy because you're alive kind of style. And mine will be like, 
Oh, actually, someone replied to me. Someone replied to that and said that someone got a tattoo that was supposed to be live, laugh, love, but somehow it went wrong and it was love, laugh, live. And I was like, I actually really like that. That's quite funny. No, I quite like that. I don't think that's because it's just like it's a bit, it's a, it's a bit fucked up. No, or like no, no regrets. You know, with an A, no regrets. Yeah, I mean, these are good. I'm, you know what? Right now, I'm just happy that you're at the table. Can we get some actual feedback from the people that are listening to this? Like, is this actually of interest, or can we nip this in the bud? Yes. Can we get some? Can we get some actual like? Okay, I know, I know, I know, I know. I've got it. When this episode comes out, which is going to be Monday, when you hear this, our post for this episode will already be up, okay? If you like this idea and you think it's got legs, leave a thumbs up on our post. And if you don't and you think this needs to be nipped in the bud, uh, a thumbs down, please, on the post. And then we'll know. I hope, you're prepared. I hope you're prepared to see a lot of happy thumbs <laughs> happy, on Monday. Happy thumbs. Ha- delighted, enthusiastic, excited thumbs. I'm, I'm entirely confident. Entirely confident. Okay, well, someone's entirely got to be, so that's good. Entirely confident. Okay. 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 Excellent. I'll, I'll keep you posted. If you want to come to any of these meetings, you just let me know. <laughs> What's your bad? Oh. My bad is quite bad. I... My bad. My bad's really not great. Um, my bad is um, I've had another letter oh, um, yeah. from the police. <laughs> from the police, um, I've got. I've been caught speeding. Shit! How bad? Not too bad. It was fifty-eight and a fifty, which isn't great, but okay. it's and it's not legal. But it's also not like super not legal. So there's <laughs> there's criteria, right? So like if you're going a certain speed, if you're going like not like, quite quick, but not like super quick, then you can do a speed awareness course, but only if you haven't done one in the last three years. I don't know if I've done one in the last three years. I know I've done one before because it was literally the worst day of my life because the guy that did it was so bizarre um, and he kept picking on me. So I've got to do another, basically. But if I'm not allowed to do another, then I get the points on my licence and that's not great because then my insurance is going to go up. So fingers, fingers, fingers that my last one was over three years ago. And I have to basically confess to the police because they they know what the car was, but they don't know if it was me or Alex. And the temp to throw him under the bus was massive. Was he like absolutely? <laughs> but unfortunately, not. well, yeah, he opened the post, obviously, because I wasn't going to. So um, yeah, he was like, "Well, it was the seventh of May, and that was the day we drove home from our honeymoon, and you were driving the car." So I was like, "Ah, oh. well, they've got me." Uh, anyway, so yeah, I've got to Fuck. do that, which is fine. Yeah, a bit of a bu- bit of a bummer, that but you know what? I've only myself to blame. I've only myself to blame. Yeah, you kind of do, actually. If you're going to live the boy racer life, you've got to be prepared to deal with the consequences. Do you know what I mean? You've got to live fast, die young. or life. I don't know. Like, like, you know, life of a criminal, it's going to come back to you at some point. You've got to live live like this, live on the edge. You just can't expect to get away with it forever. Eventually, the roosters come home to nest. What's the expression? Hens come home to... Anyway, yeah. Yeah, so what is that? Ticket. Yeah. Super- anyway. I don't know, but yeah, my chickens will come home. You've anyway, my chickens have come home. You've reaped what you sowed. I don't know. You've, you're yeah. facing the consequences I'm, of your own actions, essentially. Exactly, a hundred percent. And I'm absolutely fine with that, to be honest. Like, also, I'm, I love I'm, that you're I, I, making 
legality and a spectrum. <laughs> like it was illegal, but it wasn't like that illegal. Oh, well, no, because some people like, no, it's I, actually, yeah. we're speeding. It's a slippery slope, right? Because like some people, because obviously there's spe- the speed limit on the motorway is like 70, which some people do. Like, have you ever been driving down the motorway at nighttime and then like a BMW comes past you in the outside lane and you're like, that's literally going to be like 140 yeah. miles an hour. Yeah. Like, yeah. So those, like if you get done, I think it's like over a hundred and something, you can just lose your license straight away Good, like that. so you should so 58's looking pretty yeah actually to be fair but 58's looking pretty tame um, yeah also in my defence and I do have a defence but I'm not going to take it to the police because it's not a strong defence <laughs> but it's a dual carriageway so I thought it was 70 but they're building they're building like a new development like a housing development uh, so I think they've changed the speed limit to be 50 because it's becoming residential so okay. I because it's on the way to my mum's house so I've grown up there and it's always been 70 but I think I think the the, the laws have changed but that's okay. You know what? I should have checked. That's my fault. It isn't the um, the criteria for actually speeding. Isn't it the speed limit plus 10% plus one? Plus two. I Is it plus two? Yeah. So if you think about it like that, so you're only I one was only away. going one mile an hour above the speed limit. Yeah. yeah. Which is too bad. Which is really not that no, it's bad. Tame. Honestly, I'm a white collar prisoner at this, at this point. You really are. No, blue collar. No, white collar. White collar. Yeah. It, I'm up there with the tax evaders, honestly, for like the sort of like the least hardcore in, in the way of crime. You know, they're going to yeah. send me to prison and all the murderers are going to be like cracking their knuckles looking at me being like, what are you in for? And I'll be like, I went one mile an hour faster than I should have done past a housing development. <laughs> uh, well, my my awkward is uh, vehicle related too. Um, which is We that. are in sync today. We really are actually. Um, which is that we went away this weekend um, to a little like place by the sea which was my like I, it was a surprise weekend away for Dave to say thank you for um keeping our lives together throughout all this like book stuff and just everything like a, busy, a very busy period so I was like do you know what I need to drive I need to drive like my sisters live like 10 minutes away I currently don't really have a way to get to them so they've been just being like coming to pick me up and I was like I need to drive I'm gonna do the drive down there you do have a license, I just want to stress, you haven't just decided one day out of nowhere. <laughs> I do have a license. Well, I passed my driving test, like, when I was, well, like, I started driving when I was 17. Um, and I was, oh my God, you should have seen me back in the day. I was a bit like you. I was a total boy racer. Like, I had no fear, <laughs> no qualms. And I was, I think I was a good driver. Like, as far as I'm aware, I was a good driver. No one ever told me otherwise. But I am just absolutely horrendous now like absolutely horrendous I don't know I don't I mean a lot of it is wrapped up in anxiety but I do think that I'm actually worse as well and I don't really know what's happened so anyway I did the did I did the drive down it was supposed to take I think it's supposed to take like an hour and ten um and we were looking at more like two hours by the time we actually got there and I've never seen Dave so pale and so upset and he was like you know driving when driving instructors have dual pedals so they can like pump the brake when you don't yeah. in case you don't what well, Dave, Dave was doing that just without the pedals he was like slamming his foot on the bottom of the car I was like stop it there is no brake there I am the one braking and he was just like I'm just I'm really scared <laughs> I'm really scared like please will you just slow down you're too close to oh I don't know it was chaos but then for some reason, like we had to drive through these country roads and I just don't, under- I honestly do not understand how people drive 
through country roads and drive at a normal speed without knowing what's coming around the corner. I don't get it. I don't understand it. It makes no sense to me. So he was like shouting at me saying, you're treating every corner like a junction because you're just coming, you're slowing down and coming to a stop. And then like, like trying to peer around the corner and then go around. He was like, this is, this is way more dangerous than actually going at a normal speed. And I was like, but how am I supposed to go around the corner when I don't know what's there? Something could be coming at me and people fly around country roads. You just don't know. I know what you mean. Well, yeah. But you do have two sides to the road, no? Yeah, but it feels like only very just. I would like a motorway style. All the time. All the time. Yeah, exactly. I think they're safer. I think motorways are safer. Got to I think be. you're more likely I think you're less likely to die if you have a crash on the motorway because even though you'll be going faster, the police and the ambulances will get to you quicker because they'll find you because people will have seen the accident basically i feel like i can relax when i'm on the motorway because i'm now like everything there are rules in place everyone knows their place everyone knows the rules like it's very set out and very laid there out are rules on other roads as well it doesn't know, like. feel like it it feels like an absolute free-for-all and i don't like it i know what you mean when you go to a place that's like i know where my where my mum lives which is like in the countryside I, because I know the roads really well, so I probably drive like the kind of person that you hate, because I know the corners, I know the blind spots, I know whatever. So, but if you're new to the area, like when I go to where Alex's mum lives, and I'm like, oh my god, because it's like, well, yeah, but yeah, okay, because if you don't know, know it particularly, and it's worse in the summer. This is the only time I will concede that the summer makes things harder because hedgerows are thicker because they're obviously like big and bushy. So it's almost it's almost easier at night because you can see headlights coming around the corner before you. But in daylight, with the bushes being really big, yeah, I, I grant you, I go a lot slower in the summer on country roads. I don't know. Yeah. So. Oh, it's just don't worry. Yeah. I just hate driving. I just don't get it. I don't get it. Well, I'm really proud of you for facing it head on. I think it's very cool. Thanks. It's terrifying, but thanks. <laughs> What's your awkward? I have an awkward. I have an awkward. This, this is this is this actually. If I hadn't been contacted by the police, this would be my bad. But as it is, it's been demoted because it's both awkward and bad. So last Friday, I went on Good Morning Britain um, to talk about online safety and stuff, like a big cheese, and it was great. And I was very proud of myself. And yeah, it was um, very good. everything was great. And thank you. And I look quite nice and everything. Yeah, you look um, so But nice. unfortunately, thank you. Unfortunately for me, on Friday morning when I woke up, I had the squits. <laughs> Oh, I was like, man. Of all fucking times. And oh, it was like 36 no. degrees. And I think it was, I actually think it was, ironically, because I'd spent all night sweating. So I was See? really dehydrated. See? So, See? so I went up and I had, and it was also, you have to get up. And I, I didn't have this presented to it. No wonder Piers Morgan was so fucking grouchy all the time. You have to get up at like five in the morning. Yeah, crazy. Um, anyway, so I got up really early. It was like, squitty, squitty, bang, bang. Wasn't great. Um, <laughs> squitty, squitty, got, bang, got my, bang. Got my, got my shit together literally got in the cab and I was like okay doing fine got there they did my hair and my makeup and I was like okay I think I'm, I think I'm safe I think I'm okay I'm not gonna eat anything but I think I'm all right and then um just as the producers came and they were like hi we're just gonna mic you up and I literally looked at Jenny my manager and I was like don't <laughs> and oh my I was like please and I was like I have to run and they were like we'll put the I was like I just go to the loo and they were like we'll put the microphone on you before you go and I was like I really wouldn't do that <laughs> please don't do that <laughs> please don't do that um they were like are you sure and i was like yeah i'll just be in a minute so then i had to run thank 
god they did it because honestly <gasps> you know you know when you've got an upset tummy and it just comes out of nowhere yeah like you're fine you're fine and then you get that like gadonk where it just like drops yeah. and it's like okay bombs away ladies and gentlemen <laughs> yeah like, buckle up let's go you come out in this and, immediate sweat yeah, yeah exactly yeah, like a cold sheen yeah and so it could have been so much worse i could have shot myself on tv which wasn't actually an unlikely thought because it, when it comes imagine. it comes do you know what i mean imagine imagine and, and it could have happened, like, if that producer had arrived, like, one minute earlier to put that microphone on, it would have happened then. But, and, and, because I honestly, that happened to somebody, I can't remember it happened to it did. an actor or somebody. It did, yeah, it happened they, to when a, they had their mic on. I think it was, like, a congressman or something, but he left his mic on while he went to the toilet and the sounds were uh, something else. <laughs> honestly, because it wasn't, like, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a standard poo, like, it wasn't a good situation oh, for me. Um, so, thank God. God, I didn't have a microphone. Thank God um, you didn't but, get like get taken short while you were actually on TV, like sitting there talking. Imagine if it had just come on, you're live on TV. What would you have done? I'd have cried and literally shot myself. It, like it would have been so bad. It would have been so bad. But I had a long dress on, but that wouldn't have made it any better because everyone would have heard it and smelled it oh, and no. seen me. That would be oh, the yeah, awkward so to end bad. all awkwards. That would end me. That would end me. And I think you'd have to understand that I would take my fridge, my fridge, fridge magnet empire and, and this podcast yes. and I would run from it all. Yes, because... I would abandon it. Yeah, you would be, forever be the girl that shot on TV. Yeah, so that wasn't great. But okay. I, it, wasn't, it wasn't as awkward as it could have been, but it was the potential. It was the... It was just... And yeah. it, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. It was such a glamorous moment of my life and I was wearing my little pretty dress and then just like... Shit, yeah, it was a pretty low point. Yeah, like five minutes before I went on like TV in front of the nation, I just had this sort of like bleak little moment by myself in an <laughs> ITV cubicle. <laughs> gorgeous. So that's nice. That's a bit of Insta versus reality for the gals. Yeah, gorgeous, gorgeous girls. <laughs> yeah, gorgeous, gorgeous girls shit themselves just before they go on TV. And <laughs> then <No>, pretty dresses. <laughs> Yeah, fab. Well, we've got a good interview today. We do, we do. So we've got Frankie Bridge coming on, who was a member of the girl brand The Saturdays. Um, and now she does a lot of stuff on TV and she's one of the Loose Women panellists. But what we actually wanted to talk to her about was mental health. And she was really one of the first ever celebrities to like talk openly about mental health. And we talk about this in the episode, but like talk about it in a way that wasn't an eating disorder or a drug addiction. Like it was anxiety and depression, something which uh, did and still does have a lot of stigma around it. And I remember just being like so shocked when I saw her talking about it. But as someone who has struggled um it meant a lot to me for her to talk about that and I've just remembered it ever since and so I was really excited to talk to her and hear her story in her own words um and she's she's amazing right she's she's amazing I also was a huge Saturdays fangirl um back in the day so I have my own little moment of excitement meant before this episode but actually we've made a big promise to ourselves not to talk about the episode too much before we just play the episode so I think today we're just going to tell you, this is a good interview. We love Frankie Bridge. And now... Okay, can I just say really quickly, though? <laughs> is that she... Like, I wanted everything she was wearing. She looked so cool. She was wearing this pink linen... I bought it. Um, I bought did it. Did you? I oh, my I God. I, do you know what? It's a little bit too pink for me, but I would like it in another colour, in a neutral, I think. But it was but gorgeous. I've got this... it in pale blue. I also have it in white. 
Oh, okay, I'm going to get it in white. It was like this, this gorgeous, bright pink, oversized shirt, linen shirt over a little tank top and these like cool, um, like dad jeans. And then she was, oh my God, she was just like, she had the coolest nails. Um, they oh, were like I'm clear really with colorful I'm really tips. Embarrassed. Oh, I'm just going to tell you this, fuck it, fine. Okay, you know it's my birthday in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, so I made my birthday list and it was literally so inspired by everything she was wearing. Oh like, my God, me the, too. Yeah, all the jewelry, all the, all the jewelry that she was wearing. Oh I just put it on my birthday list and I said to Alex I was like so I want to enter this like new era so I've got my silly little Apple watch and she had a metal strap for her yes! Apple watch so I've put one yes! on my birthday list and I've put she all this like big chunky gold jewellery on it and I was like I just, I just said to Alex I was like I think I just want to enter a new era and I didn't tell him it was because it was the Frankie Bridge effect but here we are oh my god because we, we haven't actually talked about that but I was literally the same because I that Apple it made me want an Apple watch and I've never wanted one before but she was wearing this like brown leather strap that crossed over yeah, so it was like see, a double I've strap a metal, oh. yeah I've put a metal one on I found I went on I was like god that looks so cool I know and she also she was also wearing this ring that's a name ring no sorry what do you call it a, a word ring so it had love written on it and it's a bit like my Betty ring but it was it was diamante so like gold and a little bit chunkier and I am desperate for it. I've actually looked online to find it, but it's really expensive, so I'm not sure. Um, but uh, maybe I should make a birthday list, actually, and get everyone to, like, contribute. Because, um, yeah, she was just... Yeah, oh my God, nails. She made me want nail art. So she had, like... Oh, I hope she's not listening. This is so embarrassing. But she had, like, clear nails, but not totally clear. It's, like, the, the like, clear, pinky clear of the acrylic colour. Stunning. Yeah. And then, like, colourful tips. Oh, God, and... oh, I'm really embarrassed. I can't tell you this. Guess what I've for my next manicure what ah. colorful tips well yeah sarah had it at the wedding in my defense and it was always my plan to have it as my next manicure but me and georgie have got it planned to get it booked in do it and also she was wearing oh my god this is crazy she was wearing really, really sad chanel oh leather sandals and they were so cool oh my god i the love quilted them and I ones yeah so i couldn't justify it to myself so i put oh god i'm so embarrassed by myself i've put a pair of um because no one would buy those for me, so I've put a pair of um, Birkenstocks on my birthday list instead. Love that. But really similar, some black ones. <laughs> black platform Love that. ones. <laughs> this is so sad. Oh, but you sent me the link, because they sound fun. <laughs> I yeah, like they're those. really nice. Okay, I'm just going to have a look at the Chanel Birkenstocks as well. This is, but I, don't, um, I, th- I, I think, sh- what are they, Chanel? I think they could be out of well, our budget. <laughs> I also, um, it's not even my budget. I have to, oh, yeah, I don't think they're going to be a, a gift from a family member, but... But the, Ber- the Berkeys are pretty cool. I'll send you the link. Nice, nice, um, nice, nice. Yeah, she was just, she was, she was put together in a way that I will forever aspire to be. I never I, will I be. agree. She looks, oh, fuck yeah. It's just not my style. And actually I've made peace with that because I used to look at those girls in school who were put together like that and be like, I just want to be like that. But now I know that's not me and that's not for me. But God, I wish I, lo- I, wish I was put together like that. No, you see, I'm <laughs> such a big dreamer that I think that it, I want that to be me. So I'm just going to go and buy everything that she had except slightly cheaper versions. And I'm going to make that me. And um, it, it almost inspired me to start washing my hair more. Oh my god, her so hair good. as well. I know, I, know, I can't talk her about it. Ha- and her makeup really nice was makeup. flawless. I know, I know. I felt I know. like I just wanted to go home and give myself a makeover. Yeah, and I looked silly. We were going to the Boss Lightyear premiere later in the evening, weren't we? So I was trying to wear my like out of the yeah. top and I think I just looked a bit sad. So I can't but, remember what I was wearing, but I know I didn't like it. Anyway. We were wearing matching outfits and then Dave made you get changed because he said you look silly, which is funny because then I carried on wearing the outfit that he said you look silly in. <laughs> <laughs> 
okay so there we go um, well okay, there we go. enjoyed this weirdness frankie i'm so sorry um i really 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 also she hasn't listened to this and if she hears she's gonna be like take it down you fucking weirdos <laughs> yeah i should never have said yes to this i knew you guys were strange you were dressed terribly <laughs> Um, I just want to say on what it's worth as well. Um, Frankie's Instagram, she puts on her stories all the time, the outfits that she is She wearing, does, doesn't she? Like, th- and links them and does her finds and she's got her own clothing line and stuff. She's, actually, it's she's not that great. hard. It's not that hard to adopt the Frankie Bridge effect if you try hard she's enough and that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, yeah, she is. So follow her on Instagram and buy everything that she owns and then you'll be cool just like Frankie and not like us. <laughs> anyway, guys, I hope you anyway. enjoyed the interview. <laughs> enjoy and let us know what you think and remember thumbs up or thumbs down on the post out today come through for me guys don't don't shit on my dreams out to stop it honestly you're not Mm -hmm. being kind okay sure thanks guys all right enjoy the interview lots of love bye bye Bye. hi frankie hi (laughs) as if we've just seen you i know I'm trashing your dressing room for like half an hour. Yes, we're in your dressing room at Loose Women, which is... Oh my god, it's so cool actually. I've never been inside a dressing room before, I don't think. Have you not? I didn't realise. It's like a little hotel room, isn't it? It is, it is. They've made them fancier, because obviously this has been here forever. Yeah. um, Yeah. Really nice. I'm glad you approve. I do, I do. I'm dropping hints to our TV. It's very nice in here. (laughs) Getting quite comfortable in this dressing room. Can I live here? (laughs) Um... So yeah, we are really excited to have you on today. Like, thank you for coming. To, well, thank you for talking to us. Not coming. For letting us in. For letting <laughs> us in. <laughs> what, Frankie? Can we come in? Um, so you were in the girl band, the Saturdays, mm-hmm. which was one of the UK's biggest girl groups ever from 2007 to 2014. Is that right? Don't ask me. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. According to my research, that's correct. Um, and you experienced like huge success and achievements with the band. You had like countless top 10 singles and a number one single and you toured and you won awards. And from the outside, it looked like so glamorous, like super glamorous. And you were just like, living the dream with this like amazing amazing life but you were secretly battling with your mental health mm-hmm. are you able to talk to us about that and like talk us through like what was going on at that time and how it was trying to like balance that these like incredible highs or what should have been amazing highs with these really difficult lows yeah um i think i just became the only way i can describe it is i became two versions of myself um, so I had Frankie from the Saturdays mm. and then I had the other Frankie and it, and it took me quite a few years to kind of figure that out and I can still remember the moment where I felt it happen and um, we were actually on tour and we were doing a meet and greet before we went on stage and I had this moment before I stepped into a room full of people where I kind of took a breath and, and kind of did that like you know shake everything off and put a big smile on my face and then like stepped into the room yeah and and I think that just I felt I had to play up to being the happy Frankie from the Saturdays you know really kind friendly really excited to be here and that's kind of the persona that I put on in in those moments um but actually inside I was I was painfully unhappy. I was suffering from anxiety, depression. I had an eating disorder at the time and there was so much going on. You know, I could have conversations with people and perform on stage while thinking so many other things at the same time. Um, You know, things like, oh, they probably think I'm a really bad person. They probably think I don't look very nice. Um, I probably shouldn't be here. And I think 
there was so much guilt that came with that because I was, like you say, I was technically living the dream and I was living my dream. I'd achieved everything I wanted to achieve. Um, but then there I was so unhappy and there was so much guilt that came with that. I bet, I mm. bet. Because had your mental health been suffering long before you achieved like musical success? Or had it kind of been there in the background but was like compounded by this like fame suddenly you well, were experiencing? I don't know. I always say I came out of the womb anxious. Um, I was just one of those kids, <laughs> oh my God, you know. Same. I was just like an overthinker, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, I was always thinking the worst. Like my mum travelled a lot with work and I would always be terrified that, you know, she wasn't going to come back. And, you know, there were so many yeah. things. Um, I used to go to bed at night and not be able to breathe properly. And that was kind of the first, like as a kid, where my anxiety started to become a physical thing rather than just a mental thing. But back then it was kind of like, I just got sent for blood tests because I had stomach aches all the time and got given an, an inhaler because I must have asthma. And, right. you know, no one tried to deal with what, you know, it might be mentally. Whereas I think nowadays it would maybe be approached quite differently. Mm. And so I just think, you know, it was years of having anxiety and not really knowing what it was. Um, and then just having a career from the age of 12, which was amazing. I was in Club Juniors before I was in the Saturdays. And I think, although all that stuff was great and I would never change it, my life was always out of my control. You know, I had people telling me what I was doing from day to day, what I was going to wear, you know, kind of like what I liked because I was having to say, buy this single, it's amazing, you know, all this stuff. And I think, so things like not eating properly was a way of control in that, in that moment. And I do think... Um, the anxiety and depression came from the pressure that I put my on myself to be what I thought everyone mm. expected me to be. So I think, was it the cause of my depression and anxiety? No, but did mm. it make it worse? Yes. Yeah. Because a lot of people that you have to keep happy mm. when you're, and actually like shamelessly and probably embarrassing me, but I'm just gonna tell you anyway. I was definitely one of those people that <laughs> I, I came to see the Saturdays. In Did Colson. you? No way. Yeah. In 2000, I looked for the photo yesterday. I think it was 2008. Really? Yeah. And I looked fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so did I probably. Because <laughs> you guys had this like your kind of era of all like the different colour dresses. Oh god, and I yeah, so we, I did look awful too. No, we, we kind of replicated that. Like, oh, that's so that cute. Came. No way. <laughs> oh my god, I have to find the photo. Yes. <laughs> For me, and fine, to see but for eight other girls in it, because it's my birthday, it's my idea to go. Oh, I'm shaming They're That's all amazing. like, I'm being made to wear these stupid things. <laughs> what do you mean? I wore that every day on stage. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was probably really cool on you, and then for us, like, being dropped off by our mum, it was like, okay, That's cool. so cute. Um, but yeah, it's it's so weird, the kind of like, um, I guess like the claim that fans have on band members mm -hmm. like and I wonder this like because it's kind of a tangent of a question because I, I do want to ask about your mental health but I wonder like how you feel about like your bandmates and stuff because you see it with like One Direction and I don't know if it was as bad with bands back then before like social media but like everyone's got a team everyone's got like their like mm. their member that they love and I wonder like is that like a pressure for you when you're in the band to be uh, liked because obviously you love your friends, but you yeah. kind of owe it to the fans. I don't know, that must just be a really weird thing. Um, I think so, but I think you just kind of learn your role in a band. But yeah. I think in like a pop group, it's harder to find those roles. Yeah. And it can sometimes take a while. 
Um, so like, you know, in a band that plays instruments, you know, you've got the front man, you've got the bassist, the yeah, guitarist, yeah. the drummer yeah. that sits at the back, you know, that kind of, so you kind of have already been given your positions mm. in a band. Whereas in a pop group, you have to figure those out. Yeah. And I learned very early on that no one really cared what I sang like. Everyone was more bothered about what my hair looked like, really? what I was wearing, who I was going out with and mm. those kind of things. And at first I was a little bit upset by that because yeah. I loved singing, but actually in the end it just, I kind of just got on with it. And I suppose that's what happened with all of us. You do end up finding yeah. like your fans and you do fall into different categories. It just naturally happens. Like, you know, you'd be given a rack of clothes and at the beginning we'd all kind of fight to get the best ones because no one had their style. Mm. Then as the years went on, yeah. you all found that yourself. So I suppose okay. you just naturally lend yourself to different people. That's that makes sense. Thing, though, mm. The interest in you not being about, like... I know. I know. I know. It's it was at the time. I think I was I was a bit gutted because I'd gone from being quite like a lead singer in S Club Juniors and then mm. not so much in the Saturdays. But that was fine. Like you know, it doesn't bother me. Mm. But I think at first it was just yeah. that like okay, and I think that then put more pressure onto me um, from myself of like keeping an eye on what I looked like mm. and you know weight and things like that because I felt like that's who that kind of made up who I was yeah. and without yeah. that I didn't really have a role there yeah. anymore so I think that have became you spoken, quite a big thing. Uh, sorry to interrupt you, have you spoken much about your eating disorder or is it mainly? No being... not massively, I've, I've mentioned it okay. um, because it was more diagnosed when I had my breakdown and I went into hospital it kind of that's when it kind of um, uh, got diagnosed then but even okay. still now I think I know you have suffered in the past as well but like I, it's still something, it's still like thinking about food and weight is something that is always on my mind and I think it's just something that's always just almost been a part of my life and it's only now as I've got older that I've realised that that's not right and I think that comes with a lot of like the change that we have seen in body positivity and people talking about things, you know, no one spoke yeah. about weight and how people looked and how they got that way before yeah. um, and now it's become more of a conversation. Yeah. yeah, I do think that's like one of the worst things about like you see obviously that society puts women against each other so much, but the idea of having to stand up on a stage and literally be like consistently compared to, even though they're your friends and they're mm -hmm. your colleagues and whatever, but it's just the way that we operate. You see it like, you know, we saw it real time in Little Mix like so much. Um, yeah. but, and I maybe it's exacerbated with social media and maybe it wasn't so bad, but then maybe I'm just saying that because you know, I, because I, I, I don't know because I wasn't there, but I, I, I imagine that must just be a horrible pressure for you to just have to not compete because they're your friends, but society is putting you against the people that you work with. I think it's just, it's always the same with women. It's like being on Loose Women, you know, we're always having a row or someone's always falling out or someone, you know, yeah. someone said something. And like, you don't get that on League of Their Own or like any of these other shows where yeah. it's purely men. And it, it is really frustrating. And with the Saturdays, it, it was annoying. I think we kind of got away with it quite lightly, to be honest. Yeah. But we didn't argue. Don't get me wrong, we weren't always best yeah. friends all the time because we were like sisters. You know what annoys your sister or your sibling and mm -hmm. you know when they're in a bad mood totally. and you know when they've pissed you off and stay away and that's how we mm. were. And it is, it is, it's just different standards for different things. Like, you know, between boy bands and girl bands, you're all pitted against each other as well. Mm. And it's just, it's, yeah. it's just boring. It's so boring. So boring. <laughs> 
This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. But to, to me, it's like, it sounds like it's so not inevitable, but it was, it seemed like the perfect storm for you to have like problems with eating. Mm-hmm. You know, you were kind of susceptible in that way anyway to like worrying and overthinking. Yeah. And you're in this band with all this pressure on you and everyone's so interested in how you look. Like mm-hmm. that makes sense. Um, I have to say, not to make it all about me, but the you went to the Nightingale, didn't you? Yes. Which is where I went as oh! well. Oh! Yeah. Um, and I was... Love with, it there. I was, oh, yeah. <laughs> bad, bad memories of that place. I think place. it's probably different for you. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the, I can just, like, ward, I can see it, like, mm-hmm. so intensely. But for me, I saw I was very thin, but I wasn't dangerously thin at that point. Um, I would see the eating disorder board and the girls sat at dinner and things like that at the table and just thinking how awful that was so it's funny even though I was similar but not too far gone and just thinking I was so different from those other girls yeah Um, yeah I see I have different memories of Nightingale because for me it was just the only way that I was ever going to get given the breathing space that I needed to recover. I was going to say, did it feel like a relief? Like, now this problem is in someone else's hands kind of thing. Like, I'm being looked after. I literally, I didn't want to have the responsibility of keeping myself alive anymore. I just got to the point where I I didn't want to be here anymore. Um, I found no joy in anything. Like, I couldn't get through a day without crying. And and I would say, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to be alive. And those those things I wasn't eating I was just literally surviving on adrenaline and you know just getting through day to day and then still working and switching it on when I needed to yeah um so for me when the decision was made that the only way for me to recover from everything was to go into hospital Mm. that was just a relief I went in there so willingly and actually the first few days I don't really remember it, where they were figuring out medications and things like that. And yeah. like my sister said, she came to see me. I don't remember that at all. Um, but for me, I was just like, oh, thank God, I don't have to keep myself alive anymore, yeah. which sounds so ridiculous. Because even breathing just became an effort by that point. Yeah. So it just was really nice to know that that was I was no longer my own responsibility, which now I look back on and so say it seems mad. Yeah, but. no, it makes total sense though. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm not, yeah, it must have been hard for everyone around you to hear that that you just didn't want to like go on anymore mm. that must have been horrible so I who imagine who are you saying that to um I used to say it to Wayne a lot which must have been really hard for him mm. we'd only been together really a year when I ended up going into hospital um and he was still playing football so you know he was busy he lost a lot of weight around that time just through the stress yeah. of me and he could have easily have walked then you know we hadn't been together long enough for him and to necessarily have to stick it out and I said all sorts of things around that time and as like I said there's a lot that I don't remember so for him he had to do a lot of learning in a really short space of time Um, but it was actually being with Wayne and being happy in a relationship and knowing that I was happy 
only made it more clear to me that I was fundamentally unwell and unhappy. Right. That doesn't yeah. make sense, but no, it does make it does. sense because you're in a great environment <laughs> yeah. and still you can't find the joy. Like mm. that's that's the definition of depression, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. God, it's amazing that you've come through so much together as a couple. Like yeah. that was like. 11 years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. Poor Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd say I've added so a like... few grey hairs. <laughs> <laughs> They'd have come anyway. You can't yeah. prove that they were yours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I like that because <laughs> Dave always says to me, like, oh, I had much more hair like before we got together. And I'm like, How actually, like, yes. you're so aging, mate. That's yeah. what happens. Yeah. There you go. recede. Yeah. 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 You can't prove it. <laughs> well yeah I actually want to ask like how your mental health is now because I my research I can say my research (laughs) I'm trying to make me sound professional in my google stalking I sound like a stalker Um, you you said that you were your depression was treatment resistant right yeah which means that basically something can work initially medication can work initially but it it wears off is that Mm -hmm. right yeah um, so do you still is that just not on your radar anymore to take antidepressants or no so I still take them and actually the ones that I'm on now I've been on for quite a few years and they seem to have like the least side effects and have worked the most but I kind of always explain it like there's like a level of happiness that like a normal person would feel and then there's a level yeah. of happiness that I can reach and yeah. I just will never get to that height that other people do so I can be really ridiculously happy and really joyful and I'm actually naturally um quite a positive person it's it's strange but I will never be you know my um psychiatrist has always said that like I was kind of his biggest like conundrum because I'm like one of his only patients that he can't fix necessarily because I just thought that how I felt was how everyone felt that was on antidepressants and being treated for depression and anxiety. And actually, that's not true, apparently. Um, So we have kind of been playing around with other medications and stuff. So I still do take it. um, But it's kind of now I would love to explore like other treatments now. There's like this magnetic treatment thing that they do at the Nightingale. And I mean, they're looking into things like microdosing ketamine and things like yeah. that which is like not and fully come through yet mushrooms right yeah mushrooms. yeah like people i know are microdosing mushrooms yeah i think Out it's of- a risky business though because some of it goes wrong and i don't mean like goes wrong like they're gonna die i just mean like sometimes i'll be in a social situation and someone will come in and i'm like <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I'm there yet. I mean, I've got two kids and stuff and a job to with like yeah. hold down. Um, but I just but I just think there must be other there has to be more solutions. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't know what they are yet. Is it for you like the reason that maybe you don't want to stick with their antidepressants just because they're not bringing you where you'd like to be or just are you struggling with like this? I don't know, are there, like, do you suffer with side effects? Like, does it impact your life or is it? No, it does. It still impacts my life. I still have a lot of days where I don't want to get out of bed or Mm. days where I can't really face doing anything or where I, you know, like I still have those horrible thoughts of every so often of like everyone would be better off without me. Although that I don't go as deep as I used to. Mm -hmm. Um, Like my doctor would always say like, 
medication is like a life jacket it like helps you to bob along um but you're never going to sink so for me it's just a case of keeping me out of hospital that's the, yeah so even when i was pregnant i stayed on my antidepressants that was a decision made by all of my doctors and and me and i think the fact that i still feel how i do even on antidepressants is a sign that i need yeah. to stay on them yeah and do you feel like you've, you said you know you, that you will never reach that level of happiness that someone that mm. other people do and will mm. have you made peace with that is that like okay with you and that's like you've just accepted that and like that's how it's supposed to be or does that does that make you angry sometimes Cause um I've mostly accepted it because I'm me like I don't know how anyone else feels like mm. I can feel you know I've had babies and got married and I feel like really happy and things like that so it's not that I don't feel happy I don't want anyone to ever think that I'm like yeah I'm never happy um but I think yes mostly I'm fine with it but I do have days like one of my best friends she suffers with depression anxiety as well and we have conversations sometimes and we're like oh imagine just being one of those people that you know just has like a normal brain and they just Mm -hmm. go through life and they just think normally and you know like I do have those frustrations because I do work out, I do go for walks, I do try to eat healthily, yeah. I do therapy, I take my medication, I'm like, I do everything I'm told to, like, that I should do, and yet I still have those moments, but then, so does someone without depression or anxiety, we all have bad days and stuff, so just depends yeah. what day you get me on. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense, that makes sense, and yeah, I think it's clear that it's like, it's not like you're never happy, mm. it's just that you will always have that thing yeah. that's there yeah I guess like people call it like the black cloud don't they or the black dog you know because mm-hmm. I think what I'm getting at is like f- for me making peace with that and knowing that that's there and that's always going to be there or at least like accepting it brings me peace rather than being like because I have those moments too when I'm like it's not fair like I just want to live like I just want to be like everyone else mm-hmm. or but I know that's not true as well because everyone has their own thing right and I'm you know far from the only one struggling but yeah, I think, like, accepting it, like, brings me peace, mm. and knowing, like, that's, that's actually okay, like, mm. it's, it's how I pick myself back up as well, it's not like... Yeah, I think the fact that I've been able to write books about it, and talk about it now, and yeah. I can talk about it really easily, I think that shows, I understand it more, and I think yeah. going into hospital was what did that for me, because before I felt like I was just abnormal, and that I was crazy, and I didn't really understand what was medically happening and why mm. it was happening and I think for me understanding things in in that way made me mm. feel like more normal um, and more yeah. measured so I think yeah I mean I do accept it is it is who I am and it is what it is but some days yeah. it's just frustrating yeah I think it's really important to recognize that though because there's so much like there's so much um so many solutions out there to like make yourself happy like you say like go for a walk just practice yoga sit yeah. with yourself meditate and then when you do all of that it's like it's not fucking working yeah it's actually great to know that it was never going to work it's like trying to put a bandage on a, a, a plaster on a shark bite so like kind of yeah. I don't know like you say giving it giving it over to the professionals must mm-hmm. be just like it's just important um but I wanted to ask like how you deal with it at home like how it's affected like, because you're a parent now, but obviously as well, like you said, it's, it's been kind of the whole way through your relationship with Wayne. Mm. Um, and like, how are you now? How do you cope with it together? Or has it just always been in the fabric of I think we've learned a lot together as mm. a couple in that I have had to learn um, to tell him what I need 
when I'm feeling rubbish and mm. when I'm having an off day. And he has had to learn that to learn that I'm not asking him to fix it because there's, it, it can't be fixed. No. There's nothing to be fixed. I don't want someone to kind of try and give me solutions. I just need him to be there. But it's taken me, you know, we've been together 11 years. It's taken me nearly, I'd say about eight years of our relationship to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um, so he kind of now, you know, if I'm having a day where I just can't get out of bed, he'll take the kids out. He won't ask me. He'll just be like, me and the kids are going to the park and mm-hmm. they'll go out. So... He kind of knows when I need those moments and he knows when he can be like, no, come on, let's go, let's go for a walk, let's go to the gym. So I think it's just growing together, just figured it out. It feels like, I think it goes against such a, like the gender normative thing, because I think men love fixing things Mm -hmm. and women are terrified to be a burden. And like I said, I feel that within my relationship, but I think it's a really common thing even before you bring a mental health thing in where a woman feels like she kind of has to deal with her own stuff and be brave and shoulder a lot. And then men feel like they see a woman with a problem and they need to help fix the problem. And it's really difficult to like remove egos and remove like how we think it's supposed to happen to make it how it actually happens. And I really wish someone had taught me that at some point before like, yeah. I got married. Because <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh my God, this is really hard to like, I know it's supposed yeah. to make everything better, but I'm like, you can't make this better. I'm a, I'm a fucking mess today. Like, I know this excuse, like, my anxiety is so you worry, like, you would worry when you were a kid about bad things happening. Mm-hmm. I'm like, sometimes I just go there. Sometimes everybody I love is probably dead, okay? And he's like, well, they're probably not. And I'm like, I don't need this from you. Like, <laughs> this is not what I want to hear right now. But it doesn't, I just think so. we're wired so differently and it's so cool that in so many relationships now, like mental health can be a discussion and a communication, like an ongoing communication rather than just, I don't know. You know, so much, it's even like so many like jokes about like women just being tired, like, oh, she's not in the mood because she's tired, she's got a headache, or she's always stroppy with the kids and she's always nagging or whatever. And it's like, it's so good when all those tropes go and you can just like be two people that just respect mm. each other. Oh, yeah. he, bless him, he puts up with all sorts. Like we were on a flight and there was turbulence and I had planned like our whole death of like us <laughs> and the kids of like how I would have got oh, to the boys you. and like how I would have handled it or whatever. And the, the turbulence went on oh. for ages. So when the seatbelt sign came off, I walked over to him and I just burst into tears and he was like, uh, it's like took his headphones off and was like, uh, what is wrong? And I was like, I just basically planned our whole death. And he was like, what is wrong with you? So like, he just kind of accepts it now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's what it is. We've been together so long. And I think with kids, you just kind of, you know, like I will say to the boys, oh, mommy's not feeling very well. I don't go into it with them. But um, I do think, you know, when you've got children, you do both just kind of have to go like, okay, like how do we deal with this and just get on with it because yeah. you don't want it to kind of affect them. That's good. Like, that's cool that you can have a kind of conversation with your kids, even if it's not, you know, I don't, I don't know when, do you plan on telling your kids? Like, no, I mean, when I wrote the book, um, people would say, oh, how would you feel if the boys read it? And it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't bother me if they read it. I think it's good for them to know about mental health. And I actually think by the time they're a bit older, it's just going to be a normal yeah. conversation. I hope it is. I mean, it's come on leaps and bounds since I was their age. Um, but I try to have conversations with them, even though I'm someone that has depression and anxiety. I don't really know how to start those conversations with an eight-year-old and a six-year-old. Um, so I just kind of... My eldest is quite an overthinker. My youngest is a bit more like Wayne. He's a bit more like, ah, oh, fuck it, and thinks he has his own ideas, which I love. Um, so I just kind of ask them at the end of every day when they're in bed, I'll, I'll ask them what's made them happy that day and like what's made them sad or scared. Oh. And they love it. So if I forget, they're like, mummy, 
you've not asked us about Aww. our day, you know. Um, so it just then kind of gives me as a parent insight into like what might be going on for them mm. um, and and gives them and lets them know that they can voice those things. Because mm. I think when we were younger, not, you know, as an insult to our parents, but it just wasn't... Kids didn't really have those kind of feelings or thoughts. You know, I was just a worrier and everyone kind of thought it was quite funny. Yeah. Um, whereas now I think we do take it a bit more seriously. Yeah. So, totally. There was so much stigma around it back then, which which actually leads me to something that I really want to talk to you about because in, it was 2012 when you opened up publicly about your mental health struggles. And I remember it so clearly because it felt like you were the one, you were like one of the first people in the public eye to actually openly and honestly speak about it and it just it felt like it, it was it felt like a shock at the time just because there was so much shame and stigma around it like it was only what 10 like just over 10 years ago but like worlds apart from where we are now right that was really a brave thing for you to like do and like a brave decision for you to make like you just didn't have to why did you decide to do it and then what was the re- what was the response like to it um i think for me it was because at that time we were the saturdays we were kind of in like our prime of our careers so obviously everyone was very aware that i was missing and then it was kind of like for the press it was you either had some sort of addiction or you had an eating disorder. They were the only right. two reasons that you mm. went into like a mental hospital or whatever you're supposed to call, what do you call them? Psychiatric hospital. Psychiatric hospital, sorry. <laughs> I'm like, I've been in one, I don't even know what the right term is. Um, and um, so for me, it was just kind of like, not because I would have been ashamed if either of those two things were something that I, and you know, obviously had a bit, but also I was just like there is more to mental health than just those two things like it was almost like there's a celebrity illness that people get and that's it um so I wanted to talk about it for that reason and also for which sounds really cheesy but for our fans like I just felt like I had you know there were young girls a lot of young girls that looked up to us and it just felt wrong to kind of act like everything was okay and not to talk about it and I felt like I'd been almost lying for so many years about mm. who I was and actually it felt like a real almost like a coming out moment of being able to just kind of be myself and be like this is who I am this is what happened and and actually people still come up and talk to me about that glamour magazine article yeah. and, which feels amazing because it was like it was such a moment for me because I knew so many people would say oh you know she's rich and famous what's she got to be upset about try being us and you know all the Mm -hmm. usual things but actually predominantly it was really positive and I think it really helped me with feeling better it's so interesting what you say about the that it was either co- like cocaine or an eating disorder basically that was yeah, like because it was like seeing like the Lindsay Lohan yeah like I don't want to like not what's it called blaspheme I don't want to what's it called where you slander slander I don't like slander Paris Hilton but like you know there was like there was a lot around that time of like the kind of glamorous mental health yeah, not even glamorous, but kind of yeah. cool. Like Amy it was cool. And, yeah, and and it was like it was inevitable, and they were so like thin and yeah. partying all the time. It's the child it? star, you know. I was no like, you know, we weren't worldwide famous, but I had been in the public eye since I was twelve, so I just felt like it was just yeah. a real easy cop out for people to say like, oh look, it's another but it's, one. Yeah, it's the depression and anxiety, of course, like they're so linked into probably what so many people who went off the rails in terms of like drugs were feeling. Mm-hmm. But it's it, that kind of brings with it the kind of like expected level of glamour and like 
of that is typical of like pop and rock stars or whatever. Whereas I suppose coming with that, which is something that so many people are affected with, you know, it's not generally like wild cocaine addictions and like smashing up hotel rooms is not no. relatable. But like the depression that you were feeling is for a lot of people, and I suspect like that's why it was so. I don't know, human of, what, of you to do it. I think it was only really Stephen Fry at the time that was yeah. talking about depression. I love him. Yeah, um, but so there, there were, I've never done drugs because I have too much anxiety around even taking like an extra neurofen. But I, <laughs> I remember thinking I can see why people in the public eye do it. Like I can see why that is such a big thing because you are, you know, you are on these huge highs that you mm. can't ever get back. You know, they, yeah. there's nothing that compares to stepping out on a stage and hearing people sing a song or calling your name or mm. clapping in these, you know, there's nothing like that. So then there's these huge, huge lows. And if you're yeah. someone that's trying to chase that, yeah. I can completely see how it happens didn't happen for me but um yeah <laughs> boringly <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it was just around that time it just was yeah no one was really talking about it were your bum mates aware at the time of what was going on did they know not really to the extent right. um and I think that just shows how I mean like I'm sure you would know how well you can hide things like that um I think there was one kind of breaking moment for me we went to Ireland to do a gig and we'd got a flight there and we got to the hotel room and I just walked into my hotel room shut all the curtains and just got in bed and just got in the dark and I just sobbed I just didn't want to go out didn't want to do anything and I think Molly came in and found me and she just was so shocked because she'd never seen me in that state before um and she literally like I think I posted it on Instagram once, there's a picture of her with her arm around me after the gig. And it looks like just two friends, you know, who left the gig together, but she was literally holding me up. And that's mm -hmm. what it was like. I've managed to pull it together for this show, but I think that was like one of the last gigs that wow. I managed to do because I was just like, I just didn't want to be there anymore. I couldn't yeah. stop crying, I couldn't pretend anymore. Um, but the other girls didn't really see it. And it wasn't until I came out of hospital and started to try and slowly get back into doing gigs and I think there was one first one that I went back to and had a massive panic attack and I wasn't able to do it and it was the first time they'd all seen me have like a proper panic attack. And I think yeah. it really scared them and I think it really shocked them that that's what had internally been going on without them yeah. seeing and yeah. just how well I'd hidden it. And also I bet they were, I mean, I. I, I not saying they were having mental health struggles of their own, but obviously they were tackling all different things in their mm. own, you know, lives and being part of this successful band. Like I imagine, you know, just for like someone who doesn't suffer from mental health issues anyway, that's a lot to have on your plate. So it's probably quite difficult to keep up with what is, you know. Well, you just you just go into work and you just do yeah what you're there to do. Like we had fun. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Like I I really enjoyed it and I loved it, but. You do, you go in, you get given the schedule, right, you're here, you just about get given enough time to have lunch, have a wee, you know, like, you're just from one thing to the next, so yeah. it's very easy to keep all those things under wraps. Can I, and I don't, I might be rem remembering wrongly, but did you do a show about TV, tro about trolling? Yeah. A TV show? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I was going to ask, like, how, because that was one of the first times I remember my mum sending me something that you'd done. And like, oh my god, she's this is so cool. Like, she's confronting the trolls because I used to get trolls so badly, and they just made me want to kill myself because they're awful. And it, it was you doing uh, talking about it so openly about being trolled, and it sounds really lame, it's gonna have to go with me. But I think because I looked up to you 
as a band member and like and all the work that you did, then seeing that people, I really, really just fell off my chair, um, and then seeing people that could be mean to you, yeah. I think when you're being trolled, like, um, it's a very like isolating thing and I always felt like it must be me, like there's got to be something really wrong with me because they can see this thing that I can't see and everybody knows that I'm terrible apart from me. Well, I me. Um, but when I saw that that you were dealing with it and you confronted it and like went out about it, I was like, oh my god! <laughs> like if they don't like her, what chance did I even stand? And it actually made me feel so much good. better. Um, but it was also the kind of like the beginning of a massive conversation online about like trolling and stuff. Um, yeah, so they'd like track these trolls down and then we'd just kind of turn up at like their place of work or like their house or stuff so like that. Cool. I was terrified. Yeah, I, was but I was like, oh, oh And what I found was that they're not, we all want to kind of go, oh, they're these like really, you almost imagine a troll, don't yeah, you? Like these bridge. people that, yeah. yeah, like live in the dark and whatever. And they weren't, they were people that had like, like one of the people we confronted was a policeman. Oh and he'd like trolled this woman for seven years. He'd like put her her um, address on online and told people to go and get her and, you know, horrendous things. And he just got a slap on the wrist and didn't lose his job or whatever. Um, but I sat down and spoke to a couple of trolls. Like one was just very like, was kind of what you imagined. Like didn't, you know, didn't really socialise and was very unhappy and um, was kind of like, well, you kind of put yourself out there so you kind of deserve what you get basically and then another one kind of said he was sorry but I didn't believe him for a second I think it was just embarrassing really? he got caught and that his mm. family and friends were going to see it and he was like normal guy with normal job um, so I think that was a big shock for me and actually it didn't make it it almost made me feel worse because I was like oh god these aren't just like these scary people that live in the dark these are like normal walking humans yeah. um, but for me my big turnaround moment was when the guy from what's the film Fast and Furious died in that car Walker. crash. Yeah. And I remember looking online at the comments and the comments were disgusting. Were they? And I just thought, you know what, Frank, if they can say things about a poor guy that's just lost his life in a tragic accident and I'm sure he had a kid, didn't he? And what whatever. they say? Just, oh, he deserved it. Oh, he was probably driving too far. Oh, he's a rubbish act. You know, oh just stupid things that have nothing, that you just don't say in those situations. And just from that day on, I just didn't really look at comments because yeah. I just thought... I felt like that with um, our friend Debs. I'm sure you yeah. knew Debs, Val, babe, Debs. And they've been tro- they trolled her so mercilessly. And I just I just thought... How? What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Like, something's fundamentally really wrong Really, here. really, really wrong. Really wrong. Yeah. And it's like, I, I think the way that we've talked about trolls is so interesting because, again, like it did feel like a shift when you did that because it finally was like we acknowledged it. But it's this really weird, like... So if it's a British thing, well, we kind of just don't want to acknowledge that it's happening. And it's mm. like, but it, it's bad. Like, it's really, really but bad. But also here in this country, I don't know if it's changed now, but if I was to track down, like, your IP address and say if you two were living in the same house, by the time it gets to that and the police go, who is it? And you go, well, I live here, but she lives here. You're not going to know which one it is. Mm. And then they go, okay, we're never going to figure that out. And they walk away. Yeah. Um, But in Scotland, they don't. They really go for it. Because I met a guy whose um, son had Down syndrome. And um, he was like, loved this football team and was a mascot and things like that. And they did some horrendous things about him online. And like, they actually, the police took it the whole way and it went to court and things like that. Whereas in this country, we just don't. 
No. So it can be done. Yeah, it's, of course it can be done. And it should be done. Like, do you still get trolling now, or is it? I don't. You know what? I don't. I wouldn't say I get trolled as such. Like, I don't get. You get the odd knobhead that's always got something to say, and yeah. you know mm-hmm. those. I try not to respond, and I have done in the past, and it just gets you nowhere, and there's just no point. And then I end up feeling bad about myself and disappointed in myself that I responded, yeah. and then I start thinking, are they right? Have I done these things? You know, I'm always in my head. I'm like, I I have done the bad thing, like yeah. whatever anyone yeah. says. Yeah. Like you know, when you walk through an airport, I will walk through <laughs> yeah. the things and be like, oh my god, I've got drugs on me. <laughs> I've never touched one in my life, but Famously, I might. We know about your drug use. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's not a exactly. This point, you know, I'm just like one of those people who always think I'm guilty. Yes. Um, so then I start questioning myself. Um, but I wouldn't say I get told so much. I actually find it harder now if someone comments on the kids or on Wayne. Yeah. Um, and now having started a clothing brand, like I try everything in my power to be inclusive and. Like, really, it's, like, always on my mind, you know, when someone is not happy with something that you do, you take it really personally, but it's, and it's hard to remove yourself from those things sometimes, but people have opinions, and personally, I wouldn't voice them in a way that a lot of people do. And not only kids, either. No, yeah, Yeah, that was was one of the, yeah, that's That's the worst. I just find the way that people talk to and about mums online, like... Oh, it's a whole nother... Oh my god. A whole nother thing. Horrific. If I could, I would have a baby in secret, I would literally mention it. It would just... They'd be like, who's that? I'd be like, no, I don't know. Honestly, you can't do anything right. From the minute you're pregnant, you're screwed. I mean, it's lovely. Everyone should do it. Yeah, your personal life. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the peripheries, I just, there wasn't the mum piece. I'm just like, God! Yeah. I mean, I, right, I got a dog like two years ago and I was stunned at the just the outpouring of shit I got about that. And it must be like a million times that for having a baby. It must yeah. just be absolutely, and I just can't believe that people actually do it and maintain like healthy, normal lives by being like mum influencers and like sharing everything because the amount of shit, well we see it, we see like the mum influencers that we follow, like the, just the amount they yeah. get is unreal. I know, there's always something you're doing wrong. Yeah. I always think, God, if you knew all the shit, you know, yeah. you got to feed them yeah. last night. Like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, like yeah, it, there's always there's always something someone's got to say and I think when it's your parenting and things like that, it is really hard to take. It must be hard. But also I'm like, you don't know me. Like even when someone says to me, oh you're such an amazing mum, I think you don't even know if I am or not. Yeah, you only no. see what I let yeah. you see. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just a whole nother ball game. Yeah, totally. Jesus. Um, how, I was just on a personal level, just because I'm interested in understanding. Do you think like having kids and getting married? Because you've been famous for such a long time. Does it kind of like change? Mm. Do it feel inevitable? Does it kind of like change your brand and like how you feel about yourself? And I say brand just because you exist publicly. <laughs> like, so I mean, I always talk about my own brand. I'm like, what a knob. But I mean, like, how you're perceived by the world. Like, do you think it's changed? Yeah, definitely. And I actually really struggled with that at first. Like, yeah. I think that whole change started for me when I was pregnant in the Saturdays and I gained like four stone when I was pregnant and as someone who had always felt that I had full control over what my body looked like I'd monitored everything that I put in my mouth and to have to be pregnant was something that I'd always wanted from such a young age I knew I wanted to be a young mum so I was finally getting what I always wanted but feeling out of control of my body was really difficult for me mm-hmm. and then to do that publicly made it 10 times harder 
And in the public eye, people had got used to seeing me in a certain way. And the minute that mm. changed, just it was just like it just opened up the chance for anyone to say anything they wanted. Yeah. And I used to go on stage and feel apologetic to be there. I used to think, I used to feel so embarrassed. Like I remember walking out on stage with the rest of the girls and just the whole time dancing, just kind of looking at the audience as, as if to be like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry yeah. I'm here. It oh. just felt awful. Um, and obviously being next to four other girls that still looked the same, were still the same mm. size, you know, yeah. and it was really difficult for me to go through that in front of everyone. Mm. And I'm still someone now that kind of, I would love to say, and I would love to be one of those women that kind of goes, oh, well, my body's changed because I've got my children and that's a positive thing and stretch marks are great, but I'm just not there. For me, all of that is just a beacon to say to people, oh look, this was that time that I lost control. And that's, I think that's really sad. And I know that's really sad, but I can't, I can't change that. And that's really important that you say Definitely. that. Like the perception that like every woman is like fulfilling her duty on this earth by doing this and they're gonna fucking love it. It's like, you might not love it. Like, oh, I'm not the person. Yeah. If you're like, oh, I don't know where to get pregnant. I am not the person to ask because I hated every second of yeah. it. Like I loved the outcome and I yeah. wanted the baby, but the process for that yeah. was, I was sick, um, I put on loads of weight, I've got stretch marks, I've got like saggy skin and you know, and for someone who, there was so much onus on how I looked. Yeah. So yes, it has changed. I think people look at you differently as a woman once you have kids anyway. Yeah. Then it's like you've gone back to work too soon or if you don't work then you're, you know, seen as less than or I just don't think you can win either yeah. way. But yeah. then there's the snap, snapping back or not snapping back and well, there's just so much stuff yeah. that comes with it. And like that's so sad about you sort of like feeling apologetic on stage but it would have been different if you guys had been valued for like how well you sang like mm -hmm. we were talking about before or yeah. like how well you danced or like what good band you were but it was all on like your entire value it sounds like was placed on how you look but I think a lot of that was from me as well like okay. I don't know what everyone in the audience was thinking no. you know I don't no know. I, but, I mean sort of like it's like in the media I yeah guess, I, like I the... think so yeah but also a lot of that pressure did come from me internally as well. Like yeah. I totally was like putting that on myself. And obviously it was always written about and we all know yeah. how it all was yeah. then and whatever. Because it's so different now. Like it kind of feels like Rihanna really like did something with that pregnancy. And then like yeah. Little Mix were up on stage yeah. kind of dressing their bumps. And that was never done because it was always like dressed to hide it. Oh, we were always yeah. hiding yeah. it. Yeah, and it's like, oh, Oh. Yeah. like you know the hooper horror shit like people would full well put like a pregnancy bump as if something to be ashamed of in a magazine <laughs> yeah. but like it does feel now like there's this real like feminine energy of like reclaiming the bump and stuff mm. um, but I can imagine because it's just all the connotations of being a mother it's like you're frumpy and old or you're a maiden or all of this shit so it's like and then you've got to go out and still be the same girl in a girl band that you've always been yeah I find it very coming back coming back was hard because obviously mm. I felt the pressure to lose all the weight mm. um I'd had comments made while I was pregnant and and I still remember I was saying to someone actually yesterday I did one of the first performances I did when I came back was Top of the Pops and I really didn't want to be there because I felt 
that I didn't look right and I, it was really hard to dress and mm-hmm. I didn't enjoy it and then I remember it came out and I got this message from this girl and she was like you should be embarrassed um you're too fat to be up on mm. there and all of this stuff like really went in hard and obviously when it's something you're already thinking yeah. it just was like okay see I told you I shouldn't be here yeah. but then actually when I clicked on her profile she was someone that was overweight and I just thought you can't how does the world work like why is another woman saying this to another woman why have you got the right to say it to me and mm-hmm. I should be looking at hers and going oh well she's big as well so but yeah. it then just causes this yeah. thing yeah her own pain onto you yeah and I just thought oh I but then yeah yeah but then and I, I want to make clear as well that like everyone there like the fans watching you and everything will be watching you for you because they loved you guys mm. and they loved your music I want to make that clear as well that I before when I was saying like rather the, the media perception and like what was being written about in in like the newspapers or the headlines but your fans I'm pointing oh, at Oh no I know you meant I know you meant I'm a Saturday's fan I can't stress it enough I love that I'm excited by but this. I couldn't have told you what any of your dress sizes were or anything it wasn't that sort of fat you know I, I, I never felt like that as a, as a fan of your music it's me that you very much I think yeah. no but I think you know, a lot of that, I felt that pressure from the media and yeah. from myself. I don't think fans ever made me feel that way. No. Ever, no. Ever. You know, they would never come up and say, I knew the difference between where that pressure was coming yeah. from and where it yeah. wasn't. Yeah. It's quite extraordinary, though, the way that people are projecting, would project their pain onto you. And I think, I mean, everybody just needs better therapy. But you've <laughs> always been such a good example of the fact that there's somebody, there's a human behind... Mm. behind the like the star or the celebrity or the singer or whatever because I would have fallen into that trap 100% like I was a horror like I was the worst as a teenager like I was one of those people that if I saw someone pretty my first thing would be like I hate them they're so pretty which actually I realised I'm like that's foul that's absolutely foul but it's like the way that we're conditioned to just hate people who are like prettier than us um, and it's so healthy and exciting now I think that like even for people like me, it gives it's a lot of healing for people who have been unhappy in themselves to realise that there have been humans behind that the whole time and all that we've compared ourselves to. It's like a constantly moving scale. Mm. I don't know, it's really like... It's, it's good shit. I think, <laughs> it's, I think it's changed loads over the years. I think you, can, you can't get away with kind of putting out this perfect life and this perfect person anymore and I think people just don't buy it and Mm. also it's just tiring I don't think it's a a healthy way for people to live if they are like that then fine you know there's people that are tidier than me and more polished than me and I'm never going to be that person but um I don't think I'd still be able to be doing what I'm doing if that was still Mm. you know and in a band you're not there to have an opinion really you're there to kind of perform and entertain and that's fine but it's nice to be able to do the other things then yeah now going back to mental health that's been it's been 10 years since you opened up about it what have been the changes that you have seen in the realm in the sphere of of mental health and how we talk about it and how we and how it's viewed now have you seen a huge change oh my god yeah it's totally different i mean like we said no one else was really talking about it when i spoke about it um uh, you know more often than not people would question how you could have a mental health issue if everything in your life was great and I just think the fact that it is a conversation now has changed like I remember going to the mind awards back in the day and it was tiny 
so even if I look at that, how big yeah. that has become, mm. every year I go, I always say to Wayne, I'm like, oh my God, it's even bigger this year. You know, like, so cool. it's, yeah, it's growing and people are taking it more seriously. And I think the fact that that has kind of filtered down to children of like my kids' ages and stuff, you know, they kind of learn about it a bit more at school. Mm. People are talking about it on social media, you know, podcasts, everything. Mm. Like it just wasn't a conversation to be had. Mm. Um, and I think even with doctors and stuff, there's still a way to go. But I think, you know, I, I genuinely believe if I was a kid like I was when I was a kid, I don't know how to word that better <laughs> now. And I went to the doctor with all the symptoms that I had. I don't think their first instinct would be like, let's give her a blood test, let's give her an inhaler. They would maybe possibly yeah. think about the fact that maybe I'm anxious. Yeah. And um, although labels can be annoying sometimes, I sometimes think they're very needed to be able to get what you need. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I do think that I possibly wouldn't have ended up having a mental breakdown had I have been a child now. But then yeah. I would have had social media to deal with, so I don't know. <laughs> I know, I know. It's, oh it's my God. such a mix. You've just like, you've just like unlocked a memory for me of when I was like 13 or 14 and I was having panic attacks and I went to the doctor. My mum took me to the doctor and he, I remember he had this like really old printer in his, in his room that took like 10 minutes to print one page and he was like sorted, I know what you've got. And he printed out like... 10 pages of stuff about anxiety and that was it and that was absolutely it yeah and that that obviously wasn't going to do anything like looking back now that was so crazy he was like come back when you were like old enough to take antidepressants and and that was that was just it I was like what's 10 pages gonna do I mean at the time I was like oh well this is obviously the answer so I read the 10 pages and it was like breathe more deeply which which does like admittedly breathing does help with anxiety but it wasn't quite going to cure me at that no, time no but so yeah I hope things have like me I'm sure they've moved on from there and doctors are better equipped at, at handling I think they are like that, I think but... the problem is is that we have everyone's is, comes out so differently so yeah. everyone has to kind of adjust to each person individually on how to treat someone so I understand that there's not a one-size-fits-all but they kind of need yeah. a one-size-fits-all to be able to do a blanket yeah. thing across you know the country um but I was in hospital once with my eldest son mm. and we were on a ward and there was just one girl on the ward and just you know because you hear everything in the hospital it, it would become apparent that she'd tried to take her own life and they'd kind of like left her on her own there she was quite young people were going in and out but no one like really stayed with her um and like a nurse came and gave her a colouring book and I was like she's a bit far on from you know colouring for mindfulness and then like her mum was just sat with her just like but you know I love you I love you so much you know how loved you are and I just wanted to kind of go over and just like hug her mum and be like she knows she loves you that's not the issue like and it's I think it's so hard if it's not something you've ever experienced to be able to fix it and to know what to do um, so I think all these conversations that everyone is having now are so important. Like yeah. my um, doctor used to say, it's like someone standing in try, trying to understand what it feels like to drown by standing in a shower, and it's so true. If you've never really had those feelings, it's really yeah. hard to understand. You know, when people say like, "Oh, I've been sad before," or yeah. I've, "I've felt depressed before," and it doesn't make me angry because I just think, "Well, you've not felt it, so you wouldn't know." Yeah. Um, so I think people are yeah. more open to trying to understand it. Yeah, but. and I, I actually think the the amount that it's come on the conversation is 
and not just like I'm blowing smoke at your ass but like it's like you've paved the way for a lot of people and other people in the public eye to talk about mental health struggles so you should be really proud of that as well and I'm sh- I can't imagine how many people like you just speaking about it helped because like you say you felt like you were the only person and then you're just like crazy that like there's something wrong mm. with you and it's like I'm just weird or, or something yeah. and like how many people will have heard you talking about it and being like oh my god it's not just me you know because it can feel so isolating so I think that's really cool that you did that and um yeah, amazing so kudos to you for that yeah I was I was just gonna ask if we could end on this question and it's to put you on the spot mm. what would you say to anyone who's struggling right now who's in the thick of it who is feeling the way you did when you admitted yourself to hospital what would you say to them and like what advice would you give them or maybe not advice but just what words would you would you mm. give them I know that's really hard it's I'm so, so sorry hard. No, I know. it just depends on what people have around them really um I'd say on like a, a, a personal level if you're having to try and because I think when you're in the thick of it you just believe that there is no way out and you're going to feel like this forever um and I think you have to just always remind yourself that you do come out the other side. And I think the more times that you go down into that black hole and come back out, I almost kind of, I explain it as like banking it. So if I'm anxious about something or if I'm feeling depressed, I just have to remember those other times that I felt like that and I came back out the other side. Um, So I think you have to try and bank them and call on them when you need them. Um, And also, it's like the most obvious one but you just have to talk to someone mm. anyone mm. It, it, it whoever you feel like you can talk to it doesn't have to be a doctor it doesn't have to be your mum and dad just someone just to get it out because sometimes when you hear back what you've been telling yourself for so long silently inside your own head yeah. you realize how ridiculous it is when it comes out loud yeah. um so i think that's a really big thing to make sure you do that old adage that I love is you know a problem shared is a problem halved it's not true it's not a problem halved mm. but it takes a huge amount of weight off of the <laughs> why are you looking you know at me like just that? said what? that's like the most famous cliche ever I know I hate my use of cliche <laughs> <laughs> every time I tell her to do something as simple as live laugh laugh she oh no one wants to live laugh laugh I know rips, ew she rips the shit <laughs> out of me what should I say the day I said don't smile don't cry because it's over a smile because it happens but it's just a lovely, it's lovely. quote you shuffle over it and there you are now <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, well, 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 that's, that's original art the fucking what's it like wiki quotes that you're writing Alex like wow she's banking them you're yeah. welcome she's taking some of my advice yeah, she's banking you're, it you're welcome everyone <laughs> words of wisdom um, but it is really yeah. true and, it's, and sometimes when you say things out loud this sounds like a cute I don't even care fucking love a cliche it, just, it. it takes the power away when you say when you say the big scary thing and it's so big in your head and then you let the words out and they actually look really small yeah, yeah. you're like oh it's ridiculous yeah. I can go into therapy and think oh I've got nothing to talk about today so it's such a waste of time <laughs> and then I say something that I've literally been convincing myself of for the last like two months or whatever and then I say it and then I'm like oh yeah that's really stupid like yeah. why have I been thinking that <laughs> and I think um it takes longer for you to recognise those moments when you're in the thick of it, and the more mm-hmm. times that happens, the not the easier it gets because it's still fucking annoying. But you you can recall on those moments, and I think mm. yeah, it's a big thing. Amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. It's it's nice. Nice. I couldn't be happier. <laughs> <laughs> 
guys, thank you so much for listening. We will see you again on Thursday for an episode of Is It Just Me? Thanks for listening. Should I delete that? It's part of the ACAS Creator Network. Thank you.